join us in a world where you're listening to Ballistic Radio. Sit back as we discuss hard lessons from the best and brightest the personal defense and competition shooting industry has to offer. Let us help you help yourself, no matter where you are on your personal path. Ballistic Radio is brought to you by Centurion Arms. Hard use rifles and accessories at easy day prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. Now here's your host, John Johnson. Welcome to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Centurion Arms, hard-use rifles and accessories at easy day prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. I'm your host, John Johnson. Remember, you can always listen to past shows at ballisticradio.com and get the latest behind-the-scenes info. Not really arguments. I don't do that so much anymore, but heated discussions. Uh, mutually respectful exchanges of ideas. And, you know... Gym selfies, I do that too. Anyway, I'm just, yeah, facebook.com slash ballistic radio. Go there. Anyway, hey, Joe. What's going on? Oh, you know, back at it. It's, uh, it, how's it been for you? Has it been good? Has it been good? To- it's been good. Okay. I yeah. have one question for you, though. Yeah. One of the pictures you posted was you uh, shaved. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, wait. What happened with that? Oh, oh, my, my beard. I, I thought you yes. would like subscribe to my Snapchat or something. I'm like, I don't remember sending you that. Um, <laughs> oh man, I wish you could see Joe's face right now because he is uh, really regretting this line of conversation. Just don't think of it. Don't think of it. It'll be good. Um, no, man, uh, that was that was. I felt like it honestly, and that was um, back at the s- start of all of the craziness and. You know, I wasn't sure, like, how good of a seal am I going to want on whatever uh, personal protection equipment? You know, and this this actually, if you if you think back to the Snapchat comment and, like, the, the vagueness with which I'm speaking right now, this could really just go off. Okay, then. Yay! And all the sponsors drop the show. Meow. Right meow. Speaking of sponsors, hey, guess what? <laughs> What's that? This segment also brought to you by Centurion Arms. I'm sorry, Centurion Arms. Even if you're just a cook, a lowly, lowly cook. And you guys, I, I'm curious if anyone gets that reference. Or you call in tactical nukes from your couch every night with ease. You need to know that your life-saving equipment is going to work. And Centurion Arms knows it too. Veteran-owned and operated Centurion Arms is dedicated to producing firearms, parts, and accessories with an outstanding level of quality functionality and precision at a price you can afford. Whether you just need a new rail or barrel or something else to finish off your latest build, or maybe you want to take all the guesswork out and buy a complete rifle, Centurion Arms has got what you need and knows that when you need it, you need it to work. Visit centurionarms.com today to check out all their awesome products. Centurion Arms, hard-use rifles and accessories at easy day prices. So joining us uh, from Guns Guide to Liberals is Sarah Cade. Hey, Sarah, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm excited to be back working. And and I know that might have sounded facetious, but no, I am excited to be back working. It was it was getting a little difficult to be completely unnecessary. So, uh, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm excited to be here. And I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about today, but you know, so full disclosure everyone, Sarah is like an incredibly dear friend of mine. Um and and I think you do awesome s- stuff inside of our field as far as sort of helping people actually have a conversation versus a yelling match from two different sides of the room. But do you want to talk about that a little bit more, just like what you're doing, um, you know, with the podcast and just in general who you are, what you do, all that good stuff? Yeah, yeah. Where do I start? Boy, I guess I've kind of made it my, I I don't want to say my life's work (laughs) because I haven't been doing it all that long, but I've kind of made it my mission to help people communicate better, Uh, and especially about the Second Amendment, but it kind of applies to everything. So so I started a podcast with my husband, John, and um, we, we focus on how to help people communicate about the Second Amendment with people who disagree. Uh, and a lot of times those people are traditionally liberal. So our podcast is called Guns Guide to Liberals. Uh, and it's it's about helping make an argument that appeals to liberal values. So 
So a lot of times we kind of get caught up shouting at each other and we talk past each other a lot. I think if there's one thing that affects our our communication troubles these days, it's that we're talking past each other and we think we're talking to each other. Uh, So we focus on some practical techniques that help people um, help people get around that. And it's almost like little conversation hacks. Well, let me let me ask you this. Um, and kind of the first thing that 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 strikes me, and you know, just full disclosure for everyone listening to the show right now, if you're if you're wanting us to speak in depth to specific world events that are going on right now, um, that's probably not going to happen because uh, Sarah and I had a conversation before the show about it. And we just we, we don't know how helpful and, and if excuse me for speaking for you, but, um, you know, so we're probably not going to get into that. But um, what we are super interested in, I think, is is sort of fostering an environment and, and helping people think about things that will foster an environment where actual conversation can happen. And, and what you sort of touched on. And, and I'd like to get your opinion on this is a lot of times people are just shouting past each other. And I guess my first question is, do you think that the main issue today is that when most people enter into a dialogue with one another, they have decided ahead of time that they are not interested in anything at all that the other person has to say, and they are not going to be swayed by anything the other person has to say. Because they're not listening to it. I think in these conversations, by now, people have had this conversation more than once. So they come into it with baggage. And a lot of that baggage has to do with not feeling heard and not feeling like their position has been acknowledged or considered by the other side. And so now when you, as an innocent party, start this conversation with somebody new, they come into it with all these assumptions about how you're going to behave not based on you or your past history, but based on their past history, discussing it with others. So the first thing you have to do is defuse that before you can even get to the next step. So it, it's a little bit tricky there. Um, it's, it's really similar to what happens with gun control conversations, especially for us on the pro-gun side, because uh, we all know if you're a pro-gun person, this is probably an important issue to you. And the people that you're talking about it with, it's probably not even a top 10 issue for them. So you come at it, excuse me, it's early in the morning here. You come at it with a disparity. So, you know, I don't mean to to make a broad generalization here, but broadly speaking, if you're a pro-gun person, you come into that discussion with a lot more knowledge and a lot more investment than the person who is typically arguing the anti-gun side. Right. Um, So... From your perspective, you kind of know a lot of what they're going to say because you've heard it all before. And a lot of times it's easy to get lost in that and and forget that the person in front of you has good and honest intentions because you've heard it so many times from people who are disingenuous and people who are arguing in bad faith. Uh, so, I mean, the, the presumption of innocence is gone right. in these conversations. So, like, step one is, let's try to get that back and let's try to try to establish some boundaries and establish that we're both arguing in good faith. And this issue is really similar. It's, it's kind of similar, but reversed where the, the people on the, the traditionally liberal side of, of current events right now come at it with a large, large background uh, and a lot more investment typically than the other side. So it's, it's kind of the same dynamic in reverse and maybe that'll help, you know, people kind of understand why it seems like such a hardcore, passionate issue for people. Well, and you sort of said something that has has touched onto a concept that I have sort of been kicking around in my head that that you know is not fully formed. So I'm not saying that I have um, spent so much time thinking about this and research researched it that like this is a hill that I'm going to die on on this position. But like something that has struck me with pretty much a lot of everything that's going on right now is that when we identify ourselves as part of a larger group, 
like, so, okay, I'm a gun owner, right? And enter into a conversation with someone, and I identify them as part of a larger group. This person is an anti-gunner. That I'm having an individual interaction with someone that I am not looking at as an individual and vice versa. And that a lot of the divisiveness on any topic stems from not treating people like individuals uh, and not thinking of people as individuals. Do you you kind of see what I'm sort of getting at there? And, and again, like I said, I haven't um, I haven't like fully formed this concept. So I'm I'm not saying this is like a definitively this is what happened is happening, but it's something I've been thinking about, and I thought maybe we could talk through that a little bit. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with that. And I think what you're saying is, is uh, I would say, very similar to what I was kind of saying about baggage, but you're kind of taking it a step further. Um, so we have baggage from our own individual experiences with people who have argued with us in bad faith. Right. And... Uh, you know, if you tie that into a larger group identity, now you're taking on all of that baggage as well. So it's kind of just adding and compounding the problem, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and it occurs to me, too, that if you just look at interpersonal conflict in general, that, you know, I, here I can I can give you some examples. Um, take men and women, Right. Uh, everybody, no, I mean, like seriously though, and it, everyone listening right now has met someone I would, I would wager that has had bad relationship experiences with the opposite or same sex, um, and has started to project those experiences onto people that have never done anything to them at all. And they might be right. I mean, they might go, you know. This has happened to me in the past, so this will happen to me in the future. I'm not saying that's not true, but it sort of gets back into the baggage concept that you were discussing where um, you're almost not giving the relationship the chance to be its own thing. And when I say relationship, like I'm using an example of like a romantic relationship. However, you could extend that to any relationship. Does that kind of does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, I think I get that. I think we're kind of saying the same thing. Yeah. And yeah, I do think that there's some, I mean, whether you want to call it baggage or experience or, uh, you know, predictive ability, uh, you do kind of get into this mode where you're like, I've seen this before. I know it's going to happen. The problem I think with it is that sometimes it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's like you sometimes just anticipating the conversation will go a certain way. You actually cause it to go a certain way. Right. And that's absolutely a two-way street, too. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, we, we have to go to break. Right now we're talking with Sarah Cade from uh, Guns Guide to Liberals. And you're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Centurion Arms, hard-use rifles and accessories at easy-day prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. This segment brought to you by Wilson Combat. Wilson Combat makers of the finest custom 1911s and scatterguns since 1977, a legacy of quality, innovation, and service. Learn more about their firearms and accessories as well as the EDC X9 series which offers discriminating shooters 1911 match grade accuracy, superior ergonomics, and concealability with modern service pistol capacity as well as reliability at www.wilsoncombat.com. So we're talking with Sarah Cade from Guns Guide to Liberals, and and right now we're sort of unpacking our baggage or at least (laughs) acknowledging that our baggage exists. And and that sort of brings... um, another like talking point uh, to the forefront and that's people are really bad at acknowledging their own baggage sometimes, aren't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to point out someone else's baggage than it is to acknowledge your own. Why do you think that is? Is it, is it because of, I mean, is our baggage just painful so we don't like to look at it or I, I don't know. What yeah, it, I think that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's like the million dollar question, I guess. 
yeah, I do think that's part of it. I think that information that makes us uncomfortable is information that we'll avoid at all costs. So a lot of that stuff is very uncomfortable to examine in yourself. And so we, you know, we uh, project it onto somebody else or we avoid it entirely and focus on what we perceive the other person is doing wrong. But I'm, you know, I'm all about practical solutions. And I do, I like getting into the theory of what is going wrong, but but I also really want to focus on like, what can we do about it? Like, what what power do we have to affect these outcomes? Well, and that's that's a, a great segue, and and I hope that you continue to just do them for me because that will make my job so much easier. But like, what do we do about it? What are the, um, I mean, so like, yeah, okay, we we've identified like, all right, we're othering people when we when we don't treat individuals as individuals, uh, and and we're like. We're arguing our group versus their group or, or whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we sort of acknowledge that um, we're taking, whether we intend to or not, oftentimes we're taking a lot of our own baggage or our group's baggage into the conversation with us. But, like, what mm-hmm. what do we do about that? That is, again, another million-dollar question. So I think there's one really easy thing that we can do and then one that's a little more difficult. So the super easy thing. So we know a little bit about what the problem is. Uh, We know that people don't feel heard and we know that we tend to lump everybody together. So the, the easy solution there is to start by asking questions. So if you ask a question, that person now is feeling heard. When you respond to that question, they feel like they're acknowledged and you actually find out what they individually believe and how it's similar and how it differs from the group, uh, you know, kind of group consensus belief. And when I talk about asking questions, I'm not like talking about leading questions like, well, don't you think there's all kinds of police brutality and, you know, this is all horrible? No, no, no. Like, don't ask the leading questions, but just ask a question that encourages some thoughtful reflection. And ask somebody like, well, what exactly do you think, you know, what what exactly do you think caused this? Or what do you think the problem is? Or ask a question that kind of encourages them to examine the complexity of the issue. And it's kind of, you know, the more you can get them talking, the better. Uh, because the more they say, the more information you get. And the more you uh, have an opportunity to respond to what they're actually saying instead of what you think they're going to say. Well, so that's that's the nice and easy one. And it seems like, again, that that requires quite a bit of emotional control, because if you're actually listening to someone else, they might say something you don't like. And that's OK. Right. Yeah. Oh, gosh, that's the hardest thing. That is the hardest thing to teach. Yeah, it's it's very difficult for people to hear something they disagree with. And then not immediately rush to contradict it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's actually pretty easy to practice. And you can go, you know, you can go online and read the comment section of a newspaper and, and just pick out all the things you disagree with without trying to immediately rebut them. Um, and you can just listen in, in different types of, you know, different types of groups and just see. Um, it does require practice and it does require uh, some self-discipline. Um, but it's probably the biggest thing you can do to um, to do a better job in these conversations. And then you kind of ask, well, why? Why should I practice self-discipline when the other person isn't going to? That's because if you can lead these conversations, you can also get your opinion heard better. So nobody wins when we're screaming past each other. But if you want to actually have an influence on other people, you have to you have to kind of deconstruct the conversation and then you have to guide it in the right direction and a lot of that you can do just by simply asking questions and listening well and that's so that's kind of an an interesting um i'm saying interesting again i took three months off Mm -hmm. i thought i would stop apparently i didn't um so you you kind of said something there and and this this is something that I have been incredibly guilty of and has been hard to stop. And I'm not always successful, but 
you know, from a from a personal experience standpoint, because that's the only experience that I can really speak to with any authority, and even sometimes that's in question. Um, but you know, I know that I have been very bad in all aspects of my life about entering into situations trying to win, and that it's a very adversarial um, interaction where you know I want to win. And if I'm trying to win, you know, whether I say it or not, that means I'm trying to make the other person lose. And mm-hmm. do you think that there's a an issue, um, especially when we're talking about really emotionally charged topics, with entering into the, the discussion that way? Yeah, this is one that I really was introduced to with the gun debate. Yeah, we, boy, it's like probably the biggest way we sabotage ourselves. And if you come into an argument with a win-lose perspective, the only outcome is to lose. Because even if you win the point or you prove that you're right on the data, you're not going to change that person's behavior, which is what matters. Mm -hmm. And... It turns out, actually, when you start looking at the science of persuasion and the science of of conversation, it turns out that being right on the facts doesn't change behavior, but there are other things that do. So without arguing a single fact, you can actually reduce somebody's support for gun control just by introducing complexity into the conversation. So you don't have to win any points. You don't have to prove yourself right. You don't have to prove them wrong. And they never, ever, ever have to admit that they're wrong on anything. But you can still change their behavior. And that's the part that really matters. Well, so, oh, go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say, and how do I want to, how do I want to ask this? So, so right now, even so we're talking about influencing other people and changing other people's behavior and you know that's great um and and that can be a good thing and all that but do you think that there needs to be room for allowing the other person to change our behavior as well yeah i think that's kind of where it needs to start actually there is a there's an interesting phenomenon in human beings and i will probably get the name of this wrong cuz i haven't actually read read about it for quite a while, but it's basically like reciprocal giving. So if you, uh, if you bake some cookies and leave them on your neighbor's doorstep, you know, the next day you'll probably come, probably come home and find that, you know, they have uh, given you a, a dozen eggs or something, you know, like there's that principle of reciprocation that is kind of a human nature thing. And it kind of evolved from our community, you know, cooperative, uh, evolution. And that actually applies in conversations too. So if you, uh, if you set it up correctly, uh, and if you extend to that person the benefit of the doubt, they're more likely to extend it back to you. And if you acknowledge a good point that they made, they're more likely to acknowledge yours. Right. So it's kind of, it's kind of like the antidote to the whole, you know, escalation is basically like verbal de-escalation. And the the best way to really make someone feel heard and acknowledged is to actually acknowledge the best points that they make and give them an opportunity to change you. And if you can do that, the the principle of reciprocation means they're going to start to change as well. So, you know, it's not like it's incumbent on you to do all the work, but if you are the person that is better at this, uh, then, yeah, you should be guiding these conversations and uh, kind of helping them come to a positive outcome. We have to go to break. So I was, I was going to like, maybe I can sneak a thought in and then have you think about it during the break. But uh, we'll, we'll just, we'll go to break and then we'll get back to it. Uh, right now we're talking okay. with Sarah Cade from Guns Guide to Liberals. And you're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio brought to you by Centurion Arms, hard use rifles and accessories at easy day prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. This segment brought to you by BigTexOutdoors.com. BigTexOutdoors.com is the best place for you to find all of your everyday carry needs at the absolute best prices. Maybe you need all the lumens from ModLite at the lowest price? No problem. 
spend too much time alone in your room, and, well, now you need an optic on your carry gun. BigTexOutdoors.com has those, and they don't judge. Glock accessories? Yes, fast, cheap shipping, 100% hassle-free returns, all that and more. And best of all, BigTexOutdoors.com has Ike. He's a good man and thorough. I like Ike, everybody likes Ike, and you'll like Ike, too. Visit BigTexOutdoors.com today and find out what happens when every customer is a friend, not just an order. So, we're talking with Sarah Cade from Guns Guide to Liberals. Um, and, you know, people might listen to the show and be like, what? Are they, there's no, like, pew-pew stuff in this and all that. And, yeah, I, I know. Um, but, you know, I think from a... I'm pretty certain everyone listening to the show right now is a student of some sort or another. And from from an ability to learn uh, standpoint, wouldn't you say that, like, the stuff that we're talking about can be applied to multiple different aspects of your life and maybe just make you a more rounded human being that is is able to process information more effectively? Yeah, I think that would be the ideal outcome, <laughs> right? Yeah, and, you know, we we struggled with this question when we were starting our podcast, and we thought, you know, what do we have to contribute to the Second Amendment movement? And we're looking around, and we're like, yeah, we're not, you know, we're not high-speed, low-drag, tactical shooter people, right? But we do have some considerable experience bridging the gap between between liberal and conservative, and this is what we have to offer. And this is something that is not entirely, but it's really missing from our movement. And it's something that can make our movement stronger. So we approach it from that perspective. And it's like, especially right now, we've got such an unprecedented opportunity, at least in my lifetime, and an unprecedented opportunity to, to mold new gun owners. I mean, I drove past a gun shop the other day and there was a line of people all the way out into the parking lot that I'm pretty sure it was at least like a two hour wait to get in there and buy a gun. So we've got all these potential new people and it's kind of up to us if we want to welcome them into our community and if we want to direct their energy towards the type of political victory we need to preserve the second amendment, or if we want to say, Oh, well, you know, screw them libtards. Well, and and that sort of brings to mind another point. Um, would you say that once you get into the realm of name calling, no matter how justified you feel you are in doing it, that you have really just given up on uh, doing anything other than fighting? Yeah, that's kind of pointless. If you if you even get to the point where you are implying that the other person is stupid or you're implying that they're, you know, ignorant. You, even before you get to the point of name calling, you've already lost. So at that point, it's like, you might as well just turn the computer off or, you know, put down the phone or walk away from the conversation. Right. You're actually doing more harm than good at that point. And, you know, the other thing too, is no matter how justified the name calling is, the people, uh, you know, if there are spectators, the people who are watching this argument will associate your position with how you made them feel. So even if you're totally justified, you know, like say, for example, we should ban all the shoulder things that go up. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. But if I talk about that in front of spectators and talk about how dumb it is and I mock that person for their ignorance about firearms, everybody listening who has a more moderate opinion is also going to feel insulted. Right. And those are the people that I could have reached if I would have skipped the insult. Is that making sense? So it's like you insult the most extreme position, but by doing so, you alienate everybody who holds even a fraction of that position. Yeah. And you've lost your opportunity to educate them. And then you've lost your opportunity to persuade them why your opinion is better. Well, and I, I think the other thing, too, and like I was just I was thinking about this and I was thinking about like, so you mentioned conservative and, and liberal and you know, um, so like, you know, me personally, and you know how much I hate, uh, labels, um, really of any sort, which is weird. Uh, but 
the I was, I was trying to think about like myself and like again me as an individual and mm-hmm. you know what are my goals what are my end goals and so like yes the second amendment is very important to me yes i would like to see our second amendment rights protected and increased um you know those are things that would be nice but and god this is i i hesitate to say this on air but YOLO. Um, like that's not my goal. And and I, I realized that recently, like I want those things to happen. That would be nice. Um, but really my goal is, you know, I'm 37 years old and it's 2020, which is, I'm sure everyone's been having a very interesting 2020 and can, can <laughs> empathize, um, has been a very divisive year. Right. And mm-hmm. at this point in my life, really, my only goal is to sort of counter all of this divisiveness that I see coming from every direction. Um, you know, you can't open your eyes in the morning and consume any sort of, you know, media or honestly, human interaction with people around you without mm-hmm. encountering it to some level or another. And, and like at this point, I'm just trying to figure out how we can get people to look at someone else and go, hey, there are people too, and maybe they've got stuff going on that is just as bad as the stuff that I have going on, and maybe – We've got a lot more in common than than I think, and maybe if if they knew that and and I kept it in mind, and enough of us did that, all of the the issues that I have with the world would work themselves out. you know does that kind of make sense? Yeah, I think I get you on that, yeah, and I think that um right now. The divisiveness is completely overpowering, which is a little scary, actually, when you think about, uh, you know, history of of past conflicts and how they've started. Um, However, I do think there's an opportunity to reclaim the middle ground because this divisiveness is also exhausting. And I do think there's going to be a little bit of a gold rush to that middle ground territory. And I think now more than ever, people are attracted to uh, uh, like an oasis in the storm of divisiveness. Mm-hmm. So if you can be that reasonable person and you can be that person who takes a breath and thinks before, you know, going off on your attack, uh, you're, you're actually going to attract people to you and you're going to be able to influence people, I believe. And the divisive stuff it does concern me, you know, I'm not going to lie. It it definitely concerns me, but just focusing on what I can do and what is under my control and my power. uh, I've kind of realized that by, by personally like trying to live an example that counters that it kind of draws more people to that cause. Right. So I do think we do, we have the, we have the power to affect that outcome. So we're not like, we're not like powerless in a sea of, of divisiveness, although it seems that way if you if you go on social media ever, uh, or if you listen to the news even. Um, but we do actually, as individuals, have quite a bit of influence over how that works. And I think it's time we start being conscious of it and start exercising it. Well, and it's, it's kind of funny even that this is something I'm thinking about. Now, I've been thinking about it for a while before all of the current stuff that's been going on um you know because mm-hmm. when i got when i got started doing what i'm doing now like i was an incredibly divisive figure on purpose like mm-hmm. it, it was intentional um it was intentional because that's what got the attention which yep. made me money um like just just flat out like i make a lot a lot less now that i'm reasonable than i did when i wasn't um mm-hmm. you know i i remember um Todd Green, when he was still alive at one point when I was getting started, like sort of compared me 
to the Howard Stern of the gun world. And he didn't mean it as a, uh, well, he might have meant it as a, uh, as a perjurative. I don't, I don't know. Um, Todd's not around anymore to ask. And, and, you know, he was very good to me, but we weren't like super close. Um, but, you know, it's easy to play into that um, because we, mm-hmm. you know, it, it gets all sorts of uh, material rewards um, if done, if that's your shtick and, and that's sort of the, um, the field that you're playing on. It also gets a lot of um, positive reinforcement from the people that already agree with you, you know? And yeah, so the dark side is seductive. Yeah, very nice. Um, the quick and easy path, and mm-hmm. and you know, I I don't know. It, it's just something that I've thought about more and more as I've tried to fundamentally change how I interact with the world. Um, and I have a I have a question that follows that up, but we're we're at the break, so uh, I will ask it once we get back from the break. Uh, right now, we're talking with Sarah Cade from Guns Guide to Liberals. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Centurion Arms, hard-use rifles and accessories at easy-day prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. So we're talking with Sarah Cade from Guns Guide to Liberals. Um, and I guess my question... Um, My my question, and and you sort of touched on it, is, you know, how do we, you know, turn people back to the light almost? You know, as you said, there's a lot of fatigue that goes along with yeah. all of this. Like, I, you know, I'm barely on social media anymore for lots of reasons. Um, I, I'm sort of paying attention to the news, but only when I feel in a good emotional place to do so. And like, I kind of feel bad about that only because, you know, so like I, I'm a white guy in my 37. I don't know if that'd be my late thirties or it doesn't matter anyway. So like, it'd be very easy for me to go, yeah, there's, there's nothing going on and just sort of bury my head in the sand. And and I don't think that's true. I think there's all sorts of things that are going on. Uh, but also like conserving my own emotional energy and well being to not get sucked into like this negative feedback loop that just sort of crushes my will to get out of bed in the morning. Like how do you balance that? And how do you, you know, how do you get other people or how, how do you help other people if they want to um, sort of find that common ground and that commonality? Yeah, that's so important. Uh, you know, I think it starts with each of us as individuals being more conscious of what we consume. So what you were talking about earlier, what you know, the stuff that you used to make that got you money and attention, that's basically biased porn. So it's basically, uh, you know, it's stuff that is promoted to spread and share outrage. And it gets a lot of clicks because people love to feel right. And they love to be proven right about an assumption they had about some other group. Uh, so that's that's something that, that John and I have called biased porn where, you know, you might not know exactly how to define it, but you know it when you see it. And once you start seeing it, you start seeing it everywhere. And a lot of this, like, you know, even the talking head pundits, uh, like the uh, like the Ben Shapiro's and the, um, you know, there's there's equal numbers of these on the, the right and the left, so I'm not singling out anyone in particular. Um, but this bias porn is, is really satisfying. And it's really satisfying to point out how hypocritical people are on the other side or how wrong they are and how right you are. And so I think the the first step is being conscious of what you consume and what you share. And as an individual, even if you are not producing content and if even if you don't feel like you're influencing others, you are. Uh, you are by what you share. 
And at this point in, in America, we've got networks of people. So if you think of it kind of like nodes, like similar to how viruses spread in nodes, um, there's nodes of people who collect and share bias porn. And the more people who share it, the worse the phenomenon gets. Um, but the really cool thing is that if you're in one of those nodes, it can stop with you. So if everyone in your node is sharing bias porn, you can just stop. You can stop consuming it, you can stop clicking on it, and you can stop sharing it to other people further down the line. And right there, you've made a difference, even though it's, you know, it's very broad and very general, and you're not going to see an immediate effect on it. So there's there's no instant gratification. But if if the infection stops with you, then it doesn't spread as far into your node. And then on a smaller scale as well, you're not rewarding that with clicks. And in a pay-per-click society, you're, it's actually like a boycott. So you're, you're almost like boycotting or, or punishing that uh, bias porn and, and fake news network. So it starts with each of us. Uh, and, and I kind of think of us as like frontline fighters in this age of information warfare. Well, and... <clears throat> I, I guess the it, it sort of brings to mind there's there's an old Matthew Broderick movie from the eighties where you know he he hacks into a defense AI essentially and thinks it's a game and almost starts thermonuclear war and blah 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 and the the AI at the um, the end of it and I'm paraphrasing essentially the only way to win is to not play. Right. Oh, yeah. Um mm-hmm. that's not a that's not an easy place to get to, is it? No. That's another thing that requires quite a bit of self discipline. Yeah, I mean, so just looking around in my own you know, this is my personal experience again, but in my node of people, there are people who are very, very susceptible to bias porn and uh, you know, like false information and misleading information. And if the if the false information in my node stops with me, then it never gets to those more susceptible people, uh, which I think is important. And it's it's it does feel a little bit like like giving up on the narrative when you stop sharing that. Um, but what you can do instead is start sharing something positive. And by that, I don't mean like roller skating squirrels, you know, I mean, like, what is the narrative that you want to advance and what can you share to to spread that? So for me, you know, the narrative I want to counter is one of divisiveness. So what can I share that helps people empathize with each other? And what questions can I ask that help people to, uh, you know, kind of be in each other's shoes and think about this from the other perspective? And so I've kind of, I've, I've gone on, I've gone on Lent. So since the, um, uh, since the, the current events, you know, in the last uh, couple of weeks have started, I've, I've just decided I'm not going to consume or share any kind of bias or outrage porn. And the only things I'm going to consume and share are things that advance the narrative that I want and the narrative that I want hopefully doesn't lead to a civil war by dividing this country in half, right? Right. So I'm, I'm kind of trying to, to, you know, as trite as it is, I'm trying to, like, be the change that I want to see. So instead of focusing on what I don't like, I'm, I'm trying to focus on what would I like to see presented and how can I get there. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> I'm I'm trying to think what I want to say that doesn't dance dangerously close to a conversation that um neither one of us want to have right now, right? Um you know, I I think that and this is this is kind of when I initially pitched this to you um, you actually said no the, the first time. Um, I mean, I technically, I said, hell no. <laughs> yeah, you did. Um, and, and I understand why, because like, I, I don't want to talk about that either. Um, 
and, and you know, we communicated a little bit about like what I actually wanted to talk about. And you're like, oh, okay, that sounds good. Um, <clears throat> the the thing that just kills me is there's like 95%, maybe more, like intersectionality and agreement on a lot of these topics and these like battles to the death occur over the 5 4% that essentially boils down to okay there is an issue but we disagree on how to solve that issue right um mm-hmm. and how do we how do we get people to focus more on coming at it from the the 95, 96% agreement side versus we're going to knife fight over that five, 4% side. Oh gosh. Yeah. I don't know if I got it from you or what, but I was literally just talking to a friend about that this morning and we do, we focus on that 5% to the exclusion of everything else. And to your point as well, I think that ties into the tendency to dehumanize other groups. Because, you know, like you're focused on that 5% where they're different from you and you kind of forget the 95% where they're still human and they're very much like you. Um, So I think that is another opportunity to, uh, you know, if you are if you are a person who has better than average conversation skills, you have an opportunity to lead these discussions and move them in a more productive direction. Now, it's not something you're born with. So if you're not a person that has great communication skills, uh, learn learn and you can no matter how bad at it you are when you start you can get considerably better and you're going to notice uh, reverberations in the entire rest of your life Um, so these are these are skills that can be learned they're not just tendencies that you're born with Um, but once you start getting better at communication you can lead the discussion in a productive direction and you can take the discussion away from the specifics and away from that five percent and you can refocus it on the values underneath it, which most people broadly agree on. Well, in here, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something too, just for you know, everyone that um, is listening right now. And I just want I want everyone. This isn't a question. This is just more for the listeners and and something for y'all to consider, right? So, I am a again. Uh, white guy in, you know, upper middle class, um, you know, my, my late thirties, I guess I'll, I'll say, you know, from the Midwest. Right. Um, and, and you're a black female liberal from Minnesota. Right. And, you know, you're one of my best friends, uh, like legit. So if we were to look at the characteristics that other people would would label us with, right? The the mm-hmm. groups that people would throw us in, you know, without any input from from us, like we shouldn't get along, you know, you wouldn't expect it. Um, you know, cuz there's all sorts of topics that you would think we would disagree on, but we don't. I mean, like occasionally we think they should be solved different ways, but for the most part, like we're pretty in line on a lot of stuff. And and the only reason why I bring that up is I would challenge every single person listening to this right now to take a step back from whatever team you have affiliated yourself with. This This isn't like, you know, I'm a Steelers fan or, or no, I'm, I'm, you, you know what I mean? It, it doesn't need to be that way. And if you take a step back and go, you know, I'm a person, I am an individual having a conversation with another person, another individual. And if I leave teams out of it, um, a lot of really cool things can happen. Like, I would just challenge everyone to think about it that way. And yeah, it's not always going to work because, you know, it takes two to play. 
But if if at least you are open and receptive to that, you might run into someone else on the other team, and I hate that, but that's how a lot of people think, that is also open to it too. And, and the more of those relationships that exist, I think the better everything will be. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And so I think that is the right thing to do from a moral and an ethical perspective, uh, which is very important. But I also think it's the right thing to do from a practical perspective. So it's not just like, well, you know, turn the other cheek and be the bigger person because it's the right thing to do. While it is, uh, it also actually works better when you talk about persuading other people and when you talk about coming together on disagreements. And so it's like, you know, it's one of those things that works on many different levels. Uh, and regardless of your reasons, uh, it it does work. So I think, you know, I just, uh, the reason I bring that up is because sometimes I get the whole like, oh, you're just wishy-washy and you're just and I'm like, no, no, I'm actually extremely effective. <laughs> and I do that uh, by just keeping in mind what the goal is. And the goal is not to feed my ego and the goal isn't to feel like I'm smarter than everybody else. The goal is to to cause others to be open to, to new opinions. And the goal is to to hopefully influence people in a positive direction. Right. So, um, you know, keeping that in mind, you can also tie that in with the, the moral and the ethical. And it all brings you to the same place. Yeah. Um, you know, and somebody somebody once said, and you wouldn't have expected them to have a reason to say it, but, you know, they did. Uh, why can't we all just get along? And, <laughs> and yeah. like, you know, like... It's hard for everybody. It's it's hard for everybody. Everybody's got their own, you know, things that they are are dealing with. Um, and you know, yeah, some people, some people's issues might not seem to be issues to you from your perspective if you compare them to whatever it is you're dealing with. But like at the end of the day, we're all human beings with our own struggles, challenges, wants, desires emotions and you know i i really think and there are, of course are exceptions but for the most part everybody just wants to be left alone and be able to do their thing you know and and i i think that if we acknowledge that a little bit more um maybe maybe the world would be better i don't i don't know i mean i don't know i don't i don't have any answers but just sort of my thoughts on all this. Um, we're we're at the end of the show, Sarah. I really appreciate you waking up early to do the show. Um, thank you so very much. If people want to um, check out Guns Guide to Liberals, um, where can they do that at? We are on. Uh, we've our podcast is on all the major podcast platforms. Uh, if you want to go directly to our page, it's gunsguidetoliberals.libsyn.com. And we're also on Facebook at Guns Guide to Liberals and Instagram. And thank you for having me, even though <laughs> I complain about it being early. It's really not that early. So thank you. Yeah, no, it's, it's okay. Anytime. I always love our conversation. Um, give my best to John. Uh, give him a big old hug and tell him I'm missing. And, Will do. Uh, hopefully I get to see you guys soon. So... Thanks again, Sarah. I, I really appreciate it. All right. Guys, make sure you check out our website, BallisticRadio.com. Like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. And, hey, keep leaving this five-star review on iTunes if you think we've earned it. Uh, it really does help us out. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, be safe and see you next week. Don't turn on the